Our passage is John 8, 41 to 47. Your father, the devil. However, for context, we'll begin today at verse 31. 8, 31. We'll read 8, 31 to 47. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's offspring and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you shall become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If therefore the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's offspring, yet you seek to kill me. Because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God this Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father. That is God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative. But, I, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you will sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. In John 8, John illustrates for us how there are false disciples, false believers. We see how he picks it up, especially in verse 31, when he says, The Jews who had believed Christ... Believed in Christ, verse 30 and 31. Those who had believed, he's still addressing them. They believed in some superficial way. We find out, as we just read in this part of the chapter, and even at the last part of the chapter, that they end up trying to kill him. These are ones who believed in him, verses 30 and 31. He's not talking to some strangers, some Gentiles on some other part Uh, in some other part of the world, in some other nation. He's talking to the Jews 
who are physically children of Abraham, and spiritually they have the Word of God, the Old Testament, and the prophecies of Christ that they are supposed to believe. But they don't. So physically, yes, they have the lineage to Abraham, but spiritually they don't have that. They're not true believers. John the Apostle is illustrating for us how these people are not true believers. They aren't because they won't continue in the truth. They are still slaves of sin, though they deny being a slave to anyone or anything. Then, in 37 to 40, he acknowledges, Christ acknowledges that they are Abraham's children, offspring, physical offspring. They are in Abraham's bloodline. However, they don't behave like Abraham in verses 37 to 40. Abraham is their ancestor, but Abraham is not their spiritual ancestor. Abraham had faith in Christ. They do not have faith in Christ. They pretend to have faith in Christ, but they don't have true faith in Christ. They don't have it. Jesus has a father, and they have a father. He does not say explicitly which father that is. They just say, Abraham is our father, implying Abraham is not Jesus' father. And why? Because one of the early heresies of the Jews, or one of the early blasphemies of the Jews, was to say that Jesus was not born because the Holy Spirit and Mary, a virgin, that the Holy Spirit produced a miraculous conception and birth. They deny that. An early blasphemy of the Jews, which continues to this day among some Jews. They say Jesus is the illegitimate offspring of a Roman soldier and Mary when Mary was espoused to Joseph, when she was engaged to Joseph. That Mary committed fornication and technically, legally, it would have been considered adultery while she was engaged with a Roman soldier. So they are claiming that their father, their ancestor is Abraham, but by implication, Jesus, not yours. And therefore, if not yours, Jesus, then you don't have any claim to Abraham, Jesus. Further, 41 to 47. Here, this connection, the spiritual connection, the physical connection, comes to a head right here in 41 to 47. It comes to a head because now they are going to claim that God is their spiritual father and not Satan. But Jesus is going to tell them, Satan is your spiritual father, not God. He says the opposite. 41. Let's see what he says. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father. That is God, or namely God. They claim God is their father. Jesus does not say explicitly yet what he means by your father. You are doing the deeds of your father. Jesus does not mean necessarily Abraham, because he has already said you don't believe and you don't obey like Abraham did. So he removed Abraham from the equation for them. But now Jesus is also implying they have a different spiritual father. Who is this father? We learn who this is in verse 44. The devil, Satan, the serpent, 
the dragon of old. Okay, that's who it is. They don't believe that. I, I, they do know he's talking spiritually. That's why they change it themselves even in verse 41 to a spiritual connection. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, namely God. What do they seek to do here? You see, if Jesus were the illegitimate offspring, a bastard child, bastard son offspring of a Roman soldier and Mary, he not only would be born out of wedlock in that technical legal sense, he not only would be a Gentile whose ancestor was not Abraham, but also Gentiles, the nations of the world, worshipped idols. That was the history of Asia, Africa, North America, South America, Europe. That's the history everywhere, worldwide. Idolatry. So, Jesus, he, they're implying, Jesus' spiritual father is a worthless, dead idol made of wood, perhaps gold-plated, but a lifeless, dead idol. That's your spiritual father, Jesus. That's their implication. And in contrast, ours is our father, God, the God and father of the Old Testament. Jesus is claiming he is my father. They are saying, no, they uh, have him for their father. So there now we have this conflict. It's going to come to a head. It's going to come to a head that they think they know when they don't know. That's the problem, is it not? The common problem? People will easily say, I know God. I know Christ. I believe the gospel. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I'm a part of this other church over here. So don't tell me about yours. And so on and so forth. I've been baptized. Right? They'll say things like that. They're claiming they're already okay with God. God and they have an agreement already. They are in harmony. When they die, they're going to heaven. They've got it all figured out. That's what they're saying here to Jesus. We have one Father, namely God. So you, Jesus, don't presume to tell me or tell us that we're wrong. That's the conflict. Does Jesus let up? Does he practice a very sugary and sappy Christianity? No. Look at verse 42. Jesus said to them, straight to them, If God were your father, you would love me. What an offensive statement. If God were truly your father, if God were your father, you would love me. I've been preaching and teaching about my father who sent me into the world, as he says in 42, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. I've been saying this again and again and again. How many times do I need to tell you that? That that is the truth. But you claim to love God. How can you claim to love God when God is my father, God sent me into the world, and if you truly love him, you would love me. But because you hate me, you don't love him. You see how Jesus always puts himself in the center. That is, we have to always determine, always have to know, are we on the side of Christ 
or on the side of Satan. It's either Christ or Satan. It's one or the other. If God were your father, you would love me. Well, then we have another problem. Everybody says they love Christ. They love Jesus, right? They often say, and sometimes in songs, but they often say, Jesus, I love Jesus. They use the word Jesus. They don't say the Lord Jesus or the Lord Christ or Christ or Christ Jesus or our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They don't use those other phrases or our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ, Jude says, right? They don't use those phrases. They say Jesus because Jesus is a convenient way for them to look at Jesus Christ as a buddy, as a pal, as my best friend in the very worldly, earthly sense. That's why they say that. I love Jesus. But Jesus says here, you would love me, right? So how do we show that we love Jesus? John 14, 15. John 14, 15. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus said earlier, you would love me if God were your father. But then if everybody says we love Jesus, Jesus says here, if you love me, if is a conditional statement, right? A condition. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Chapter, I'm sorry, that's 14, 15. Now 15, verse 8. 15, 8. John 15, 8. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, and I have also loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. It's easy to say we love Jesus, Jesus Christ, but do we keep His commandments? They did not. And And we know from this chapter, especially by the end, they actually attempt to kill him. That shows they don't love him and they don't love God the Father. Verse 43, 43. Why do you not understand what I am saying? He answers his own question. It's because you cannot hear my word. They don't understand what he is saying. When he says... Why do you not understand? He means understand with the comprehension that leads to salvation. He's not saying you don't understand the words I'm speaking as though you are just a two-year-old and you don't understand the speech of a 20-year-old or an adult. He doesn't mean understand in that sense. He means understand with the comprehension that leads to faith, that leads to believing what Jesus is saying for the benefit of their salvation. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? So what is the answer to that? 
because you cannot hear my word. Cannot hear my word. He says, cannot. When this verb is used, cannot, does it not mean that they are unable? Does it not mean that they are incapable? Does it not mean that they don't have the ability to hear it for their spiritual benefit, for their soul's salvation? Of course, that's what it means. You cannot hear my word. Your condition as hearers is so so dead, so lost, so incapable of saving yourself. That's why he says you cannot hear my word. That's the way everybody is. Everybody is in that condition with inability until something changes. Everybody is in that condition of inability, incapability, cannot until it changes. We'll speak later of how it changes. But to reiterate this point of it being impossible to do so, keep your place here and turn to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 5 to 8. Romans 8, 5 to 8. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 5, there's only two alternatives, only two choices, only two ways, the flesh and the spirit. Correct? Verse 5, the flesh, which is our original condition from conception, until conversion. And those who are unconverted are still in the flesh, right? We're either in the flesh or of the flesh or of the spirit. Only those two. In verse 6, there's only two outcomes. The flesh equals death. The spirit equals life and peace. Only two, right? Two alternatives. Then why is it this way? Why are these two possibilities, only the two, and why is that one produces death and the other produces life? Verse 7, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. Hostility, warfare, conflict, battle, fight, that's what we have between us and God. Why is it that we are, by default, why are we by nature, why are we automatically put in that category of being hostile toward God, being enemies of God? Why is that the case? He says in verse 7, For 
it does not subject itself to the law of God. It, the flesh, does not obey the law of God, does not subject itself to the law of God. It doesn't do it. If one doesn't obey the law of God, well, who delivers laws to the people? The kings do, right? Those in authority deliver laws to the people, correct? But who's the king of kings who delivered his law to the people on Mount Sinai and the law also written on the human heart? It's the king of kings. God did, right? So if we transgress, if we transgress the law of the king of heaven, don't we, we, don't we become criminals? Are we not spiritually criminals against the king of heaven, the judge of heaven? Correct? We are criminals. If we are criminals, do you think a righteous judge on the earth wants to look at a criminal standing before him as a cute, cuddly teddy bear? No. Because the judge, a righteous judge on earth, would see that criminal, I know you, I recognize your face. You live in my neighborhood. And you put in jeopardy all those people in the neighborhood. You deserve a just penalty for your crime. Right? A righteous judge would say that. So, there's hostility between that judge and the criminal. Here, too, there's hostility between us and God, unless we're in Christ. Then, that's the condition, that's the scenario, that's the situation. Right? Hostility, lack of obedience, or lack of subjection. But then, we have to go a step back. Right? He describes... What is the case? What brought about the case? But then he goes back another step and he says, it's not even able to do so. We disobeyed God, the law of God, but we're not even able to obey God. Not able. You cannot hear my word. It is be- you do not understand. It is because you cannot hear my word. And even here, the apostle in verse 8, Romans 8, 8, says... And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot. Cannot please God. So when people say everybody has the ability to believe, it's not true. They don't. They are unable and they cannot unless a miracle occurs. A miracle of God's Holy Spirit. So they cannot hear my word. They cannot resolve their own predicament. That can't happen. Back to John 8. John 8 and verse 44. John 8, 44. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. By implication, in the previous verses, he was talking about their father being the devil. Now, explicitly, he tells them, that's who your father is. Your father is the devil, Satan, the one who was the serpent in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. That's who your father really is. Your father is Satan. You are sons of Satan, sons of the devil. 
That's who you really are. You don't belong to my father, the true God, the true and living God. You belong to the devil. Earlier, he was talking about sin, such as verse 34. Everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. He spoke of our own inherent sin and our evil desires and the things that we do with our evil desires, right? He talked about the internal problem that we have. But now here, he's talking about an external problem, an external enemy, an external father who controls us and dominates us. In John 8.44, he does not mean only his hearers belong to the devil. He's meaning we all belong to the devil unless we're converted in Christ. We all belong to the devil. That means that the, the average unbeliever, you, you meet an unbeliever, you strike up a conversation, you present the gospel, that unbeliever at some point has to be informed that he belongs to Satan. And the moment you do that, unless he's an extremely mild-mannered man, he might want to punch you in the face. Nobody wants to be told that they are a son of the devil, daughter of the devil. Nobody wants to be told that. They think that they're swell. They think that they're, they're just fine. They think everything's fine between them and God. And when they die, they'll go to heaven. So it becomes very offensive for us to tell them that. That's the same thing Jesus did right here. You are of your father, the devil. Let's confirm that we all belong to the devil until we are converted. We all belong until conversion. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. First John 5, we'll start at 18, 518. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true, in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Who is this evil one in verses 18 and 19? It's Satan, the devil. He's the evil one. And the Apostle John says, the whole world lies in the power of of the evil one. The whole world is in that power. Furthermore, how are we delivered from that power? Verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know Him who is true. If we're going to understand, remember what Jesus said in John eight forty three. It is because you cannot hear my word. Why is it that you do not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. If we are able to hear it for our benefit, spiritual salvation, Christ has to give us that understanding in order for us to know Him who is true. Ephesians 2, 
Ephesians 2. Confirming again that this is the way we used to be. And the world still is that way. Ephesians 2. We'll read verses 2, 1 to 5. 2, 1 to 5. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse 1, our condition. We're dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. Dead means dead. No impulse, no life, no breath. Dead means dead. It doesn't mean mostly dead. Almost dead, it means dead. Verse 2, in which you formerly walked, you, meaning the Ephesians, these are the current believers, right? Ephesians or even us. We formerly walked that way according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. Well, who is this prince of the power of the air, the spirit? Working in the sons of disobedience. Satan, the devil. And verse 3, among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. The rest are still living that way. We used to live that way, he said. So we used to be living according to the flesh, according to the world, and according to the devil. Not anymore. But unbelievers, unrepentant sinners, are living that way, according to their father, the devil. John 8, 44. He gives us a description of the devil. 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. He is a murderer. A murderer is someone who takes away life. Right? A murderer. That's Satan. So Satan desires death. God desires life. Remember what happened. The first commandment that God gave to Adam He said, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. All the trees were available, but one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When that one was partaken of, death would result. Right? Genesis 2, 15 to 17, God announced it before any sin was in the world any evil, any death. There was no death in the world. Well, how did that come about? Chapter 3 of Genesis, he says, indeed, did God say you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? He throws doubt on the word of God, and then ultimately, finally, he tells 
Eve, you surely shall not die. That's not going to happen. You're not going to die. He says the very opposite. He sneaks in and then he blatantly says the very opposite. So he murdered that way. Death came because of Satan. Initially, there was spiritual death, which is alienation from God. Adam and Eve experienced spiritual alienation, spiritual hostility, because they did not subject themselves to the law of God, right? Initially, Adam and Eve, they did that. It was their fault, their sin against God. They refused to follow God for the path of life. Instead, they followed Satan, who assisted in murdering them. So they willingly said, okay, come, take, take me, take us. That's what they did. Adam and Eve did that. He murdered from the beginning. And death has been in the world since then. According to 1 John 3.8, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus does the opposite of the devil. He brings life, and he is the one who gets rid of Satan. But him, Satan, he did this from the very beginning. There's no truth in him. He doesn't stand in it, and there's no truth in him. What does Jesus mean, there's no truth in him? Doesn't Satan know that Jesus is the Son of God? Don't the demons know Jesus is the Son of God? Don't the demons know that there is a time in which they will be tormented? They said in Matthew 8, 29, We know who you are, the Holy One of God. Have you come here to torment us before the time? Before the time? So they know some truth like that. Even in James James 2, 19, You believe God is one? You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. So they know truth in a sense. In the sense that they have factual knowledge. They have accurate, factual knowledge of the true nature of God, the true nature of man, the true nature of the world, even the true nature of the world to come. Right? Satan and the demons, they know all of this. But bare knowledge is not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about beneficial knowledge. He's talking about spiritual knowledge. He's talking about salvific knowledge. He's talking about the truth that will save from sin. Because there is no redemption for Satan. There is no redemption for demons. All of the fallen angels, all of the demons, will be thrown in the lake of fire along with all unrepentant sinners in the lake of fire. So in that sense, there is no truth in him. Okay, if Jesus does not commend Satan for having factual knowledge, why do we commend people who have factual knowledge? You see what I mean? James, in James 2, he's arguing that it doesn't do to say we have faith but have no works, no good deeds. It doesn't do. Just lip service doesn't help anybody. It doesn't even help the one who is presenting things with his own lips. It doesn't help anybody. Because the demons believe that God is one. Many professing Christians believe God is one. 
The demons shudder. But you, professing Christian, empty-mouthed Christian, you won't even shudder. You won't even practice good deeds. You won't produce the fruit of the Spirit. You are worthless. You are useless. That's the point James makes. In the same way, then, Jesus is saying that just this knowledge doesn't help you. You need to couple that knowledge with faith. Couple that knowledge with true love. And we would only love if God first loved us. We have to couple that knowledge with obedience. It has to be coupled with other virtues. Knowledge in and of itself will not guarantee a seat in heaven. It won't do that. Furthermore, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Lies, lies, lies. Where do lies originate? The first lie originated in Satan, and then he teaches all of us to be liars also. Lies start there, and they are in those who are unregenerate, still even in our flesh, but we must beat down the flesh so that we not practice lies. Let's notice here, How much God detests lies. Proverbs 6. Proverbs chapter 6, 12 to 19. Proverbs 6, 12 to 19. Proverbs 6, 12. A worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a false mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart devises evil continually, who spreads strife. Therefore, his calamity will come suddenly, instantly, he will be broken and there will be no healing. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. God hates and abominates all liars. So much so that Revelation 21.8 includes liars in those that will be thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 21, 8. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 21, 27. 21, 27. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And finally, 22. Revelation 22, 14 and 15. 22, 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. 
Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. Everyone who loves and practices lying. So, we may conclude, if we are sons of the devil and he's a murderer and he is a liar, then if we are his children, we are headed for the lake of fire. Hell, eternal punishment. That is the result. If we don't repent. Now, the believer, what happens to him? What happens to the believer? The believer does the opposite of this. The believer is now very interested in the truth. That's why Jesus is called the truth. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. Even the Bible is called the word of truth. Now we have a new perspective. Now we have a new mind. Now we have a new heart in Christ. We want to know the truth. We delight in the truth. We ask for the truth. We don't want anybody to lie to us about anything. We want honesty, forthrightness, and truthfulness. That's the way we are now. We should be now if we belong to Christ. The opposite, because we have the Father of truth, God of truth in heaven, who is our Father. No more lies, now truth. 45, verse 45, John eight forty-five. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. You see, it's one way or the other. It's either lies or it's truth. Because it's the truth, they don't believe. Why? Because they want to believe lies. They want to believe lies. They are deliberate. They are intentional in believing lies. We often like to think of people as being innocent and well-meaning. Sometimes they are. But in this context, in the Bible, they are not well-intentioned. They're not well-meaning. They don't have good motives. They don't. He says here, Because I speak the truth, you do not believe. He's accusing them of deliberately not wanting to believe because they don't want to believe the truth. They would rather believe lies. Is he not doing that? He is. Keep your place here. Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah 30. This is a common malady among men. Common malady. Isaiah chapter 30. 39 to 11. Verses 9 to 11. Chapter 30, verses 9 to 11. For this is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, you must not see visions. And to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words. Prophesy illusions. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. These people are so blatant. They're so audacious. They are so blatant and audacious. We have true seers, true prophets, prophesying the truth, preaching the truth. Reminds us of King Ahab, 1 Kings 22, 8. Yes, there is one prophet of the Lord here, but I hate him because he does not speak good concerning me, but evil. 
He is Micaiah, son of Imra. That's what Ahab, wicked Ahab said about Micaiah, a true prophet who spoke the truth to Ahab that he hated him. The same kind of hatred is right here. They pretend to be the sons of God, but they are false sons, sons of rebellion. And they have even this audacious spirit to say, speak to us pleasant words, prophesy illusions. People actually are this way. If you haven't held a conversation long enough on this matter with anyone, you've never heard it with your own ears. But if you were to pursue a conversation on this matter with anyone, you will eventually hear them tell you, I would rather believe lies. They will tell you that. I have had people tell me that. I'd rather believe a lie than believe the truth because the lie makes me feel better. I can live with the lie. I can't live with the truth. And you know, there's even a song. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies, right? There's even a love song like that. People think that way. They do think that way. And they'll even tell the messenger of truth, get out of here. Get out of the way. I don't want to hear it anymore. And that's what they're going to do to Christ. They're going to pick up stones by the end of the chapter to throw at Christ to do away with him. Verse 46, John 8, 46. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? He says, which one of you convicts me of sin? Of course, he said in 8.29, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. 1 Peter 2.22, there was no sin or any deceit found in his mouth. He's blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners. Hebrews 7. 26 to 28. Jesus is spotless, the unblemished Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? So he challenges them, if I'm sinless and I'm speaking the truth, how is it that you don't want the truth? We know you are, you, if you have to, if you would admit it, you know you are a sinner. So by nature, you don't want the truth. I have been telling you the truth. You cannot convict me of sin. You cannot point out any sin. Any misinterpretation of the the Old Testament? No. You haven't done that. You can't show that. So how can you, when you can't convict me of sin, I'm convicting you of sin, and you won't believe. I speak the truth. Why do you not believe me? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? Now we have come back to answering verse 43. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. 43 and 47, 46 and 47 are all connected, these three verses. If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? Therefore, if we are all by nature dead in trespasses and sins, if we are all by nature sons of the devil, how does that change occur. How can that change occur? Verse 47 explains. Verse 47. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them because you are not of God. We've heard the explanation. For this reason you do not hear them because you are not of God. That's what he's been teaching them all along, right? You don't really belong to God. You're not of God. 
That's why you keep resisting me. That's why you want to kill me. That's why you still belong to Satan, right? You love lies. But the first part of verse 47, he who is of God hears the words of God. That statement assumes we have to be of God to hear the words of God, right? So sons of the devil will not hear the words of God for their salvation. They won't believe it. But if one is of God, then one will hear these words for his salvation, right? So that means we have to be either in the one group or the other, in one category or the other, either of God or of the devil. That's what he says. That's what's necessary. He who is of God hears the words of God. First, uh, first John, first John chapter 4 and verse 6. 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. He says similar words. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This assertion is similar to the one in John 8, 47. 1 John 4, 6. We are from God. He who is of God hears the words of God, Jesus said. He who knows God listens to us. Here in this case, the us, these are the messengers of the gospel. If you know God, you would listen to those messengers. He who is not from God does not listen to us. And if they're not from God, they are of the devil, which John says in 1 John 3, 11 to 15, we are either of God or of the devil. And here, he who is, of, uh, who is not from God does not listen to us. If you want to know the difference between the truth and error, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Then, we still need to a- answer the question, okay, there are these two groups. It also explains how one in the, the ones in one group listen and the ones in the other don't listen. You're either of God or you're not of God, right? But how is it possible to be in the group, in the category, among the children of God instead of the children of the devil? How does that take place, being in that right group? To be of God, to hear the words of God. Does John answer it? Yes. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verses 12 and 13. John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Twenty uh, or Verse 12, when he says... As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And who are they? 
those who believe in his name. Right? How is it, however, that we can receive, we have this right, and we believe? How are the descriptions of verse 12 possible? How does verse 12 happen? What causes verse 12 to be true in us? Right? That's the question we should ask. And many times people will only read verse 12. But if you notice in your Bible, isn't verse 13 completing the sentence? Isn't verse 13 the end of the paragraph? So let's take God in context. How do the descriptions of verse 12 become true in us so that we are of God, children of God? Verse 13, who were born, not of blood. That takes away Abraham. You can't say, well, Abraham's my physical ancestor. That takes away Abraham or anyone else that we might choose. Nor the will of the flesh. The will of the flesh. Remember Romans 8, 5 to 8? The flesh will not will, cannot will, is unable to will to obey or subject itself to the law of God. Therefore, the flesh has hostility between itself and God. He says it's not the will of the flesh. And Ephesians 2, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Deadness, a dead will cannot do anything. It cannot act. It doesn't breathe, right? Nor of the will of man. By the will of man, he means that someone else cannot exert his will to save us. Someone else cannot save us. God does. God is the one who must do so. Therefore, if he eliminates all of the false assurances of verse 13, the blood, the flesh, and the will of man, if he eliminates them, what's the only one left or only thing left? God himself. So God has to rebirth us. God has to cause us to be born again. God has to send his Holy Spirit to quicken us, or as Ephesians 2.5 says, He made us alive together with Christ. That takes a miracle of the Holy Spirit to change the dead, unresponsive human heart to become a child of God. It has to happen in that way. In one more place, John 6, John 6, 44 to 45. Remember, we're answering, how do we become a part of those who are of God, who hear the word of God. Remember, he who is of God hears the words of God. How do we become a part of that people? John six forty four and 45. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they all shall be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Verse 44, no one can come to me. This is similar to what Jesus said, you cannot hear my word. It's similar to what Jesus uh, or Paul said in Romans 8, 5 to 8, unable and cannot. Jesus says the same, no one can come to me. No one can believe in me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. 
the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah together, he puts together in one sentence, they all shall be taught of God. They all. Who are the they all who are taught of God? It's explained. Jesus interprets the prophets. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father. God the Father has to secretly, miraculously, mysteriously teach an individual here, an individual there, a few over there, a few over in this other place. He is the one who teaches so that when they hear the gospel, they want to believe it, truly believe it. God has to teach it. That's how we hear and learn from the Father to come to Christ. Shall we do so? And let's preach it faithfully to others. Right? He who is of God hears the words of God. Let's be that way and let's preach to others to be that way so that they're no longer sons of the devil, but sons of the living God. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.